Colin Jones, welcome to the podcast, mate. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm great, man. It's been an exciting summer. We've had a lot of great swims at Worlds mm. and at Nationals. Mm. It's fun to watch. Nice to be on the uh, re the retired side. <laughs> <laughs> How closely do you follow it now? Are you are you still like are you keeping one eye on it, one eye off, or what's going on? You know, since I uh, got this new role at Speedo as uh, senior manager of sports marketing, I'm mm. watching intently, uh, mm. paying attention to all the athletes, uh, especially Team Speedo athletes, but uh, all of the athletes have been putting up some amazing time. So it's, it's a fun time to watch right now, especially now after COVID, everyone's just lighting up the pool. So it's fun to watch. That's cool. You've always been a Speedo guy too, man. So to be associated with a, with a you know company that, was you know was your go-to as well that, that, that must feel good right it does it does you know i i uh actually took a year off from swimming because for me it was like i wanted to kind of go away from it for a little bit um you know i i lived all my life with it i went worked at a hospital for a year as a development manager for a foundation and i just knew that i wanted to be back in swimming and so when speedo called again and said you know we want to actually have a uh, philanthropic arm of our, our our brand i was like yep i'm right here bring me back mm. <laughs> so yeah. i'm back at the pool i love it <laughs> man listen lots of swimmers to talk to around the world lots of stories everyone's got their own story everyone's unique everyone um comes from somewhere and has done something incredible once they get to the point where you know we're talking on the podcast here that i meet people you know incredible people all the time right but yeah. none like you man i mean you're unique of the unique you know like you're you're an outlier of the outliers you know and Appreciate so <laughs> you know what i mean it's like someone like you has has a much broader impact than any other swimmer and and i think the the reasons are obvious right like where you've come from and, and what you've done and, and the success you've had has had massive impact within uh, a, a type of a community within America, right? Like I'm from Australia, right? So yeah. I, I didn't I didn't know much about America. I just knew it was yeah. a, a land of opportunity, right? But yeah. when I got here, I quickly realized there's um, divisions within America that you just have to accept, right? And that, that's part of America. Um, but yeah, I don't know. So like what I'm trying to say here, I guess, is that you, you've risen and made this enormous impact on the sport of swimming, man. Um, and, and congratulations on that. I appreciate that, Brad. I mean, it's it's really been um, kind of handed off to me. I can't I can't take full responsibility for it. I was just blessed to be in an era, in a race, and at a time where I was able to help get my hand on the wall. And then from that, I uh, was given kind of a soapbox and the opportunity to do anything I could with it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you have people like Maritza Karaya, you have people like Sabir Muhammad, you have people that were before me that kind of handed the torch to me. Um, I learned very quickly that with that torch came responsibility as being a role model. Right. So, you know, even though I took that year away from the sport when I came back and, you know, took this role at Speedo, it felt like I never left because I never really did. I, my heart was always in the sport. My heart was always with the mission of getting kids to learn to swim. My heart was always mm. in trying to diversify you know, the sport as much as possible yeah. uh, that other swimmers that, you know, potentially look like me or any person of color that wanted to be a part of swimming in the U.S. felt welcome. Um, so, I mean, I feel like I took a year off, but at the same time, I, I never missed a step. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
Yeah, I mean, you, you talk about the diversity. Like, I, I don't know if everybody knows my complete story or knows everything about me, but um, you know, my ex-wife is Jamaican, and so my kids. I guess if you're going to categorize people like we like to in America, you know, you tick certain boxes when you fill in forms. Right. Like what's your race and what color are you and all that sort of stuff. And you know, I don't know what my kids tick. You know, like their father's white, their mother's black. You know, yeah. and so I have mixed race children, and believe me, I wanted them to swim um, just for the fact that because I wanted. <laughs> I wanted these mixed race kids to get up on the on the podium at the Olympics yeah. and be like, but no, it, it didn't work out that way for my kids. But but yeah, I, I guess that it's it, there are boxes in America, right? And uh, did you have to fight through those boxes yourself? Absolutely. I mean that that rule of you know back from slavery, if you have one drop of black blood in you, you are mm. black. That's that's mm -hmm. literally a rule in the U.S. still to this day. Right. right. Um, so you know, I, I definitely had to deal with that box. I. Uh, was looking at old pictures, and I'll definitely send you some. I'm the only black kid sitting on a diving mm. board with a, a, a bunch of kids that are white, and it's like, mm. I was looking at it actually today, and I was just like, wow, that's, you know, I tried not to think of it. I, I kind of blocked it out of my mind because, you know, as an only child, as most of my friends were swimming, because I, when I started, I started it at the age of eight, I was really focused on swimming with my friends. And if I got to beat somebody, then great. Um, but it was really about the friendship of, of the sport. And, and, you know, even at this, this juncture in my career, the amount of people that I consider family and friends, yourself included, as, as my swim family, you know, right. that's, that's what's kept me in the sport as long as it is. That's what brought me back to the sport. Yes, I checked a lot of boxes and I had to deal with that, but it was a lot of people and friends that I had that were saying, don't worry about that. Don't worry about it. stick with it, stick with your goals. I had a lot of mentors. I had a lot of friends that kept me going, even though I was the only person that looked like me many times when I was at the meet. Yeah. Well, I've, I, look, I, th I think we're at a point in life in the world where we've seen black people swim. It's not surprising anymore. Yeah. I don't think we've ever seen anyone swim like you swam. I mean, you, you swam across the water, the surface of the water, like you were running. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you, you yeah, took, <laughs> you took running into swimming and, and swam faster than, you know, everybody on earth. I mean, you were electric on top of the water. And I guess what that also did was break down some stereotypes of like, not only can black people swim, but you know, they're not, the, the, they don't sink in the water that, you know, uh, Cullen Jones floats and, and hot and, and skips along the water, you know? So like, I think when people watched you swim, it was kind of breathtaking, you know? I appreciate that. I really do. I mean, especially coming from you, because not only as a, an Olympian and a coach, that means a lot. Mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. for, for me, it's, and I always tell this story because I, as we've talked about, you know, I feel like the baton is still with me. I, I hope to pass it on to the next swimmer. Mm -hmm. um, but getting more people of color to understand these, the, the, the sport of swimming and the lifestyle, if not lifestyle, life skill of swimming is right. so important to me. But the first thing everyone says is like, oh, you know, Black people don't swim. Our bones mm. aren't, you know, our mm. bones are too heavy. I, I, mm. Jim Ellis, I, I love when he coins it. He's like, our bones ain't, aren't, are too heavy. He's like, I've been swimming all my life. What are you talking about? <laughs> and Brett, it's the same thing with me. Mm. I'm five. Yeah, I went to the Olympics twice. I can't float. That has mm. nothing to do with it. And so I think a lot of people, we have to break that stereotype. But to what you were talking about, and I thank you for that, it just meant I had to work harder. Mm. You know, to, to make that smooth stroke happen, I became a clinician. 
um, mm-hmm. from you know David Marsh to Brooks Steele to you know Chad Onkin to my coach Ed Nessel and Lou Petrozello when I was a kid at 15, I was super skinny. Right. So I wasn't like this big muscular kid. I came into NC State a string bean. Like they were mm-hmm. like, this kid doesn't eat. And I was like, I eat everything. I just I <laughs> take it all down. But I had to figure out how to beat people bigger than me. And the only way I knew how to swim fast and beat these kids was technique. Mm-hmm. So to get my stroke to where it was, it was a lot of watching other strokes, visualizing how do I, oh, I like how they did this, and then figuring out how it worked for my body. Then when I added muscle at NC State, mm. that's when the career began. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's interesting. I do want to dig into that, uh, the, the technical side of sprinting, right? Like yeah. when, you, when you look at track, you can, you can see technique. It's a little bit harder to see technical swimming in the water because you got splash mm-hmm. and everything else going on around it and you're moving so quickly, things are happening fast. So for you, you know, like it's almost like, you know, uh, a martial artist, you know, as a sprinter, you want to slow things down. You want things to be in slow motion, you know? So what was that for you? How did you uh, were able to do that? And when you were in slow motion, what were you trying to do technically? You know, I I love how you said that. I mean, because for most people, they're like, the 53 is so short. And for us, it's like the Mm -hmm. longest event because we're breaking (laughs) down every hand hit, Mm -hmm. every kick. Was yeah. my start right? And I think the number one thing that, like, David Marsh used to say this to me all the time, you, you know, you never do a bad turn. You never do yeah. a bad start. You never mm-hmm. do a bad stroke. And, I mean, it. I, after 10 years of beating it into my head, he was right. right. And, I, and I understood later on was, like, when I'm racing, I don't want to think about my hand position. Mm-hmm. When I'm racing, I don't want to think about was that a good start. So what it made me do is not just think about racing. It made me think, take the racing piece. We get so excited about racing. Mm -hmm. Let's get excited about practice. Figure out how to practice at that same level. If I messed up on a start, I had to do it again. Mm -hmm. If If my stroke in that 50 was terrible, I had to do it again. He was always very, very big into you never leave the pool with a, with a broken stroke. Yeah. And that just changed everything in my head. Like, even to this day, like, I was in the pool uh, this morning, and I was like, ooh, that arm doesn't feel right, and I got to fix it. And I was like, man, you're retired. If you don't get out of this pool and go to work. <laughs> but it's, it's so ingrained that, like, mm. the technique piece of it is, mm. is so ingrained in my head that I, that I love it. I love breaking it down, like you said, even now watching Caleb and watching all of these amazingly Popovich. It's like man, this, this kid was as skinny as me. How's he going this fast? Yeah, what is yeah. he doing? And so mm. like, I'm breaking down all those things. And I think that's why we're swim nerds. Mm. Uh, that's why we yeah. do <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. What, what are the things you were trying to do then? For me, sprinting is about balance. I learned balance mm. from Popoff. You know, yeah. Popoff had, had this kayak style where one side looked like the other. You know, when you're yeah. paddling a kayak, it was almost like this paddle kind of right. style so balance was always important for me i wanted i wanted my left to look like my right were you similar in that sense oh 100 i mean everything had to do with balance um and one of the things that i i remember one of my coaches saying is like you know it's like that what you do to one side you do to the other mm. and you wanted to find that same thing and same person man i looked up to pop off too and i watched mm. his races and his finishes and mm-hmm. how he kind of like I mean, just like set, set the world on fire. So yeah. one of the things that I did was, again, 
this was before iPhones and YouTube, which, you know, a lot of these young swimmers, I encourage them to watch other swimmers because, mm. you know, we didn't have that. I would get to look at like Phelps' stroke and be like, all right, I see his high elbow. Does that work for me? No, that doesn't work for me. Okay, let me look at Fred Bousquet. Okay, straight arm. Mm, mm-hmm. That's not, no. maybe if I mix both of them, mm. fix one thing. And, and so that's kind of how I started to develop my stroke. And I remember, I'll never forget in 2008, got a gold medal, world record, and day of March, I get back to practice. One, I was out way overweight. <laughs> I was not in shape from too many Krispy Kreme donuts. Um, and he was like, uh, okay, first off, we need to get you in shape. Second thing is, we're not swimming freestyle because you need to learn how to swim freestyle. And I was like, wait, what do you mean? He goes, watch your race again. Fred destroyed you. He swam like a man. You swam like a boy. It's time for you to figure this out. Oh, wow. Swam the next six months backstroke. He didn't (laughs) let me do turns because he said, your turns are messed up. Fix your Mm. turns. I was doing hundreds on repeat backstroke with open turns and expecting (laughs) to make these (laughs) sets. And I was like, I have a gold medal in the Olympics. It did Uh. He was like, we are fixing your stroke. We individualize training in the pool. So why not individualize your nutrition? Erica Barney of Barney Wellness Building will help you and your swimmers get exactly what each athlete needs through genetic testing and personalized nutrition plans. So stop guessing what you should and shouldn't be putting into your body. Athletes within a few weeks have noticed they're recovering faster because they're fueling their body with what they need and staying away from what their body hates. Erica understands swimming. She gets it. She's worked with over 20 Olympians, including the fastest man in the world, Caleb Dressel. Group discounts are available. So go to Biney Wellness Building and get in touch with Erica today. That's Biney, B-E-I-N-E, wellnessbuilding.net. I never forgot. I got back in December working with him and I went to a meet in Raleigh at the TAC pool and I finally figured out how to open up my arm. Mm. And he goes, okay, now you can swim freestyle. This was mm. in April. Our trials were in June. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, cool. So I'm like swimming freestyle. I'm getting excited. Mm. And if you look at 2009, you'll see a massive difference in my 53 and I set the American record. But wow, that, okay. A, a literal season of doing backstroke. <laughs> We're gonna go to the videotape here. We're gonna break this thing down. But um that sounds that sounds like a like a Tiger Woods overhaul, you know what I mean? Um <laughs> sorry, my son just showed up. <laughs> <laughs> oh good man, it happens. This is this is real life. It's going crazy. <laughs> it's all good um life has changed <laughs> yeah yeah exactly dad now hey <laughs> you're chasing kids rather than someone chasing you down now so. well, yeah there you go <laughs> yeah yeah um let me let me ask you i just want to get your thoughts on 2008 i mean you've, you've told the story probably a million times but um in just just from your perspective i mean i guess there was a, a lot of pressure on on this relay and and did you feel like your performance wasn't up to par in some way on on that relay is that what you're saying you know brett to be completely honest i mean from everything that i gave at that race it was it was everything i had you know 47 mm. 5 i mean I, I i'm still to this day thrilled with the time mm. but you know i i mean i know that 
you know, the French was talking trash, whatever. It, I knew three out of the four guys and I was friends with them. You know, right. Fred and I are still friends to this day. We were always mm-hmm. friends. Right. But it was like, take that piece out, take out the time. Mm. He caught me. Mm. And I think that's the biggest thing that like that David wanted me to realize. He was like, you had a lead and he caught you. Do you mm. ever want to be in that position again? And no, I was like, no, I, I never want to be in that position again. He's like, it was a great swim. You went fast. You went faster than you thought you were going to go. And I said, yeah. I mean, even to, to today's standards, a 47.5 is not a bad swim. But in my head, he caught me. Yeah. And so I use that as fire. I mean, that, that just got me fired up for the next year. And so I think that's what got me to my 100 wasn't where it needed to be. I just think that because I did. I didn't train freestyle all year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, he made me focus on, you know, really the sprints, getting back in shape, and then, you know, like trying to do more technical stuff. So I think that when it came to that thought process of the 2008, was it a success? Of course, the time was great. Yeah. But he caught me. I think that yeah. was the biggest right. thing in my <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. It, 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 sometimes it's just a matter of, that ego kicking in too and saying, and just saying to yourself, like my role was to hold position and I let somebody pass me that bothers me. That's going to make me better. You know? Yeah. That was it. No matter what. Yeah. That that, I had to take something from it, a win from it. I had to take something that I needed to fix. And I think that was the biggest. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause actually you probably would have been blinded by the fact that you're now a gold medalist world record holder. And like, I got nothing to fix. I got nothing to work on. I was perfect. You know? Yeah, and um, I, I went to NC State, and I, I always I call myself a wolf. And David knew how to poke the wolf. He knew exactly what he needed mm-hmm. to say to me mm-hmm. to get me to go. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I need to work harder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, on that too, I guess I I had heard. I don't know. I'm just you can clarify, but I'd heard that you took some more motivation too from 2008. Caesar Cielo won the 50 freestyle. <laughs> And um, and I had heard that <laughs> you took some motivation from that going into the next Olympic cycle, and then you know you got you get to London and you end up you know winning the silver medal. He ends up winning the bronze. Was there any motivation in that time from that? Is that a real thing? That is a real thing that actually did happen. Okay. And so in 2006, I I, I touched him out and I beat him in the 53 at NCs. Mm-hmm. In 2008. I didn't get the chance to swim the 50 free. I would have loved to race him in the 50 free. I was in, you know, David put me through. I mean, I got to him in April of that year in 2008. Our trials were in June. I mean, he beat me up. He got me ready for that. And I felt better in the 50 than I did for even the 100. But Mm -hmm. I missed the 50. Um, I didn't swim well at trials. And so watching him in 2008, it was like, man, I know I could do this. I, sh- man, I, no, I was fast mm. enough. I should have done it. Mm. So my goal for 2008 was to try to win. I wanted to win the 53. Not to mention, my biggest goal was to always hear my name. I wanted to hear Cullen Jones representing Team USA. Mm. And so I did get to do that. And the year before, in 2011, I had a terrible year. I just wasn't as focused as I needed to be. Um, I remember David saying, like, you know, you got a gold medal. If you don't want to do this, then just don't do it. Be done. 
my mom was like, hey, like, you know, don't you disrespect the Jones name coming out here swimming <laughs> like that? And I was like, all right, mom, all right. You don't even know my times, but all right. Yeah. And then, I, I mean, back then it was like college, uh, I forget what it was called, but it was like a message board essentially. Mm. And I had heard that Caesar said, you know, it would take a natural disaster for me to not win the 50 free. Mm. And again, you don't poke the wolf. <laughs> I read that and I was like, okay. And I mean, if you yeah. ask David, he'll be like, there was like a day where Cullen wasn't paying attention. Mm. It was just kind of like having a good time. And then it was like a switch flipped. And mm. and it, it it motivated me. You know, I mean, I would say that the French team talking trash, I get, yeah, that motivated me. But yeah, I mean, I yeah. have not love for Caesar. I really do. I think he's a great mm -hmm. swimmer. I think he's a great person. We've hung out. I mean, he's my Olympic swim brother. Yeah. But behind the block, we have to race, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I, mm -hmm. I, I, mm -hmm. trained. I did everything that I, I could do and then got to swim um, the 53 and make the team and premier sprinter swimming the 50 and the 100. And I had, like, I, I'll say it in here. I'll say it here. I had pictures of Caesar in my house of him in 2008 doing this mm -hmm. and it motivated me because I was like, anytime I didn't want to go to practice, I would see a picture of him and I'm like, ah, okay, <laughs> go to practice. Ah, okay, go to practice. But I made my dream real. I said to myself, I was going to beat him. I want to beat him. Yeah. And I get to try, I get to the Olympics and I get second and it wasn't to him. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want him to win. Brett, I didn't say I wanted to win. You should have said you wanted to win. That's it. Yeah. Sometimes we don't aim for exactly what we want. You know, you just want to beat him. You beat him, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got him. How do you do that in a moment like that, Kelvin? When you're when you've been, you know, focused and amped for something for four years, it's been motivating. It's been getting you out of bed. It's been pushing you through hard workouts. When you're in a moment like the Olympic final. And it means everything to you at that point. Like it's a culmination of like, okay, all that stuff I just did, it was for this moment. Now I have this moment. How am I going to react in this moment? Like you, you're in control in a way of what you're physically feeling and thinking at that point in time. So, you know, as a sprinter, you never want to snatch at the water, right? You never want to grab the water. But when, right. when you want something that bad, it's almost a natural instinct to grab at the water, right? Like pull yeah. harder, try harder. So how did you, how were you able to maintain that, that focus of being in the right space to swim as fast as you possibly can while still wanting to kill the guy next to you? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I would say failure. I mean, I, I would say that what I learned in 2008 by missing is mm. what set me up for 12. You know, mm. there's so many things out there, the books that we talk about, about self-help and all these things. But like one of the key things that I love to hear about is failure. Because failure teaches growth. Me mm. missing 2008 and swimming trials and me feeling like I set the American record in trials in 2008. I was mm. first. Then I got second in semis. And then here I go swimming in, in finals against one of my idols, Gary Hall Jr. Mm. And he's in his bedazzled to hell everlast with the boxing gloves. And I'm like, like, what? What is happening? <laughs> I spent the worst race of my life. Mm. And what was that? Because I was doing exactly what you said. It took me out of my my swim strategy for that 50 free. Everything mm -hmm. that David told me to do, I did none of it. Because I was, one, distracted. 
to trying to and trying to rev up to try to get mm. where, like to win mm. and when i was not even behind the bottom in the ready room of that 53 and i'm looking around and i see caesar and i see flow and i see all i just kept smiling and it was at that moment i felt like all the pieces that i needed i lived it already Mm. I knew how to swim this 50 freestyle. So I was just excited. One, because I finally got to hear my name, Colin Jones representing Team USA. Mm. But also it was like, I've done this before. Don't rev up. Be in the moment. Stay in your goggles. Don't look. Now, what I will tell you, and I will be honest with you, I did look. <laughs> Out the right side, and I saw I was about a half a stroke ahead of Caesar. So that's why I was like, yeah, I'll touch the wall. And I'm like, yeah, I'll sack it. Didn't see lane two and flow out there with yeah. the half one stroke ahead of me. Um, yeah. But yeah, like I, I think, but I think, yes, to your point, like we always want to rev up, rev up, rev up. But I think what got me to even that performance of swimming as well as I did was, was failure and realizing yeah. that like I need to learn from that failure not let it crush me get up do it again get up do it again get up do it 10 more times yeah 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 i, I love what you said there man i can i can relate to all that as well <laughs> and that that experience does does get you but there's nothing like the olympic final man of just Oof. maybe having a little peak like it's it's, not, it's, it's difficult to not you know yes uh, yeah. I've been there myself. Uh, I had I had Roland Schumann, uh, Schumann uh, yeah. next to me at, in the Olympic final, and I'm like, man, when I when I dove in the block and went to take my first stroke and just took a peek across, I'm like, dang, his start's good, man. You know, like, that's the first thing you think. Like, Legs up, he's already yeah. like, boom, yeah. and yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When someone's got something on you, uh, it, it's tough. What was it? What was the thing that you felt like? Okay, they're, they're not going to get me. This is where I get everybody. They can't get me here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to suffer through a little bit of this or that. You know, where, where was your weaknesses and where were your strengths? My strength was always my start. Always okay. my start. I had a 36 inch vertical, so I knew I would get off the block. Mm. Um, I, my weakness was the breath. Um, mm. David and I worked tirelessly at breath control. It's so funny that now I do Wim Hof breathing. I can hold my breath for like three minutes, but when I was actually racing. Mm. I would go 10 strokes. I'm like, <laughs> and I couldn't hold my breath. Mm. Um, we didn't actually start, and again, poke the wolf, until after 2012, where you said you lost because you took the breath. Yeah. So I didn't take a breath. Caesar's never taken a breath. Yeah. And you're the only person taking a breath. And mm. to, a, to a certain extent, you have people like Gary Hall Jr. who took four. But his mm. breath was so quick and so mm. efficient that it never slowed him down when i took a breath oh I, it was like restart reload like i, I had to take a, se a second to actually get back into my stroke so that was one of my biggest weaknesses was just trying to understand how to hold my breath when i'm in that like super panicked not panicked mm. the best way of saying it is like redline we, we all redline at some point and, I, and when i hit the point of redlining and being like i don't have air I immediately have to take a breath. We tried to work at that not being something that was an Achilles heel, but it just, mm. it ultimately was. And it, I didn't get better at it until after 2012. 
Yeah, yeah. Look, it's a, it's an ongoing thing, especially with a weakness, man. I think I don't think you ever fully conquer your weaknesses. You know, yeah. like that for some yeah. reason they're just innate in you. Like it's just mm -hmm. something that you are not great at from the get go, from the jump. Yeah. I don't think you ever master them, but you you learn to get better at them and control them in a way um, so that they they're not um, an Achilles heel for you. But yeah, yeah, I think I think that's the case. But uh, one, one other thing here, man, I appreciate you doing this. Um, yeah. Is there a story where Kobe and LeBron came to visit you in the village? Is that true? <laughs> yes. So in 2008, um, you know, I, I was ready to swim the 100 freestyle going to, because uh, everything was backwards. It was in uh, China. So finals were in the morning, prelims were at night. So just made the team. Eddie Reese has just told me, you are the fourth person. You're going... Actually, no, he didn't tell me which, which role, which, where I was going, but he told me I was on the relay. So I go back to the room. I've now done drug testing. I've eaten finally. It's like 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock. I'm like kind of trying to fall asleep, but I can't because I'm so excited. And at the same time thinking, you can't mess this up. You can't mess this up. You know, MP never made it about himself. He never said like, oh, I'm going for eight gold medals. Don't mess up. <laughs> but it was always mm. like implied. Like we were all, we were all a team and. You know, when you're on a team with like Aaron Pearsall, Brendan Hansen, Lot, mm. MP, like that's a lot of pressure. And you mm. don't want to be the person that's like not showing up. Mm. And so for me, it was I was swimming it over and over and over and over and over in my head. And I just remember the door banging and I opened the door and it was it was uh Mike and I was like, yo, what's up? And he's like, I'm like, it's one in the morning, man. You have so much swimming to do. Why are you still awake? And he's like, NBA guys are downstairs. Like, we got to run downstairs. And I'm like, what? So, like, <laughs> Ryan is always my roommate. We've been roommates since 2000 and I think, five. So I mm. kick him, and I'm like, Ryan. He's like, what? Like, All the NBA guys are downstairs. So we just run down the stairs, and we get to see everybody there. And, like, I'm shaking hands with Kobe, LeBron, D-Wade. And, like, I was a basketball player growing up, and mm. along with swimming. And swimming took over probably about when I was about 13 years old. But I always paid attention. My dad, like we talked about before, checking boxes. I never saw someone that looked like me. So my dad had me looking at other sports like that, mm. Michael Jordan, to say, this is what an athlete does. Like, I remember to this day the game when Jordan and Pippen was holding Jordan up and he had the fever and Gatorade ended up making a commercial about it. But I remember sitting there watching my dad being like, that's what an athlete does. He puts the team before himself. He's he's he doesn't matter how he feels. He's working for everyone else. And I remember a couple of relays in college. Yeah, I had 102 fever. That was my yeah. Michael Jordan moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it was like I'm sitting here shaking hands with all of these guys that I'm like, I've been watching you. I look up to these guys and, and they were there. Didn't matter about what their sport was. They were there to represent and, and to, to really stand behind Team USA. And mm -hmm. so that, I think that was the coolest part was that it we were all a team. And mm. so it got really quiet. And LeBron was the only person. He's like, oh, shoot, there's a black dude on the swim team. <laughs> and all, everyone busts out laughing. <laughs> and it was just like a really cool moment that to this day, I just, I love telling that story. And I mean, I cannot tell you how much I learned from just that experience. Like I was done first. Uh, that was my only event. And so the NBA guys came and to swimming three other times that week. So mm. I got to sit down and talk to Kobe and LeBron and, and D-Wade, and, and I was just a sponge, man. Yeah. I used to learn from them. I mean, it was it was really cool. Experience. Yeah.
I bet, man. Yeah, I, I was I was there, but I, I got to I was watching you sit with them, and I was thinking <laughs> I want to be Cullen right now, you know. Like, uh, so yeah, that that's cool. You got that experience. Swim Angelfish. Swim Angelfish is an online certification program that strengthens your teaching curriculum to serve swimmers of all abilities. Swim Angelfish will prepare you and your instructors with the skills to teach swimmers with autism, physical disabilities, anxiety, sensory and motor conditions, and more. Learn to teach skills faster and with more comfort with Swim Angelfish. Apply for an only alpha pool product scholarship and receive up to 50% off your certification. Go to swimangelfish.com today to apply. Listen, I can't let you go without at least, look, you, you were teammates with the greatest athlete, you know, possibly in history, man. Like, yeah. and, and we all have heard pretty much all the stories, but from your perspective, like what, what did you take from Michael? You know, I, it, when you're observing him, when you're sitting around him, like I, I was teammates with Ian Thorpe and I can tell you, I took some stuff from that guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like just, just the pressure that he was able to consume, just yeah. eat pressure. I, I don't know how he did it, man. It was like, but it was, it was amazing to me. But what's, what's the one thing you took from Phelps, man, that we, that you could share? You know, I, I think the work he has done now in mental health has been, I mean, amazing because yeah. from those that were around him, the closest, we saw it, but even for us, we didn't see it. He was so good at, like you said, eating that pressure. And it was just a part of our life. And like, he, I know he leaned on us quite a bit. I know, I remember he and, and Lochte and myself, and we would usually be either Eric Canto or Brendan, we would play cards every night. And it was just, it was a release for us for like, to just not think about the pressure of what we had to do. Um, and right. so, one of the things that I learned from him was just the professionalism. I mean, this guy's a year younger than me, but like when it came to just how well he handled being a, a pro athlete, mm. it was, it was remarkable. I would watch him come in and I mean, just slumped over from them taking an obscene amount of blood from him because they're like, how is this guy doing it? His drug mm. testing was bananas. Mm. He finally eaten. It's one o'clock in the morning and he's got to go to sleep to swim three more events the next day. Mm. And it, it's just, it was mind boggling to watch him do this. And so um, I know a lot of people give him a lot of flack and I am, I'm always in his corner about that. Like I, I can't yeah. stand when people talk. You have no idea what this man was going through. You have no yeah. idea. He didn't sign my autograph. Okay. Did you see the 500 people behind you? And he has to mm. swim an event? Like, come yeah. on grace understand that yes he is an idol yes he's a role model and he did a really good job of being a role model given what he was what he had to go through so i i learned professionalism with him and he always had his mind on not only the pool but just outside the pool too and, and you see that in all the different things that he has his hands in now but um i'll tell you brett the, the, the biggest thing was um y'all never got to see the best races the best races were at training camp mm. when Ryan and Michael would, they wouldn't even say words and they would just look at each other and you would just see them just start going at it <laughs> racing and just mm. racing. And I'm like, Oh boy, here we go. Mm. <laughs> and it was, mm. it was fun. Those two, it was watching two Titans. It, mm. That's the only way I can think of it. And two of the greatest in our sport, just like always pushing each other to be better and just to be the best friend, both. It was just, 
icing on the cake. I just got to watch. Yeah. So it was yeah. a really cool experience, but I, I learned professionalism from that. That's awesome, man. We don't even think about those training camps, do we? Like it, when you when you go from trials to the event, you know, the Olympics, you got about four weeks, and you're you're going off somewhere together as a U.S. team to build team, mm-hmm. but also but also here sharpen the pencil, man. Yeah, you know, like man. you're just sharpening <laughs> the pencil. And so I imagine these two are just in there going at it. You're right. You know, that oh, yeah. would have been cool to have some kind of reality TV cameras back then. But. It got to the point where they had to be like different coaches had to coach either one because if they were doing the same thing, they yeah. were going oh, at it. At oh, the, yeah. I mean, like not like, I mean, they were just racing. They were always right. racing each other. Right. Which was, it was right. just fun to be around. It, it, it was infectious for everyone else. Like if they got on the block, there was at least about another 10 of us being like, well, I'm going to swim my event right now too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Um, well, look, and I look at your um, career, it was phenomenal. The impact that you've had on your college, the impact that you've had on your community, the impact you've had on American swimming. I mean, massive, man. Huge um, admirer of yours uh, in terms of the way you carry yourself, the way you speak, the way you present. I mean, you couldn't get a more professional person. So if you if you learn professionalism from Michael, man, you're passing it on. So uh, I'm trying, man. Thank you. Know, you. I appreciate, really appreciate that. that. Really so yeah, huge honor for me. And listen, this this podcast is going to come out the next week, which is the week that we're going to be racing each other. You and I get to go head to head finally. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know if we can call it a head to head, but uh, we're we're racing in Fort Lauderdale. Race the legends, you and I. Um, yes. Kind of cool. This is cool. We're putting this thing together uh, this this Saturday, and we're gonna race, huh? Yeah, we're gonna get it. In, I mean, you know what? I'm gonna be honest with you, Brad. It's my first open water that like really is race. <laughs> like David would make us do some practices in the open water, but I would always find, oh my tummy hurts. I would find some way to get out of it. But no, there's sharks out there, man. There's real sharks. I am. A, I'm a little nervous, but you know what? I committed. We're gonna do it. We're gonna do it together. <laughs> Yeah, we're doing it together. And uh, if I see something coming, I'm hiding behind you. That's for oh, sure. Oh, good. But, uh, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it'll be fun, man. It'll be it'll be fun to get together. And I hope to see a lot of people there. So um, this this podcast will come out a few days before. So I'm sure there's still time to sign up. Come race us, Fort Lauderdale, September 3rd. We'll be on the beach, ready to go, having some fun. So, uh, Colin, appreciate it, man. Um, Thank thanks you. for everything. Thank you for having me, Brett. All right. Take care. Bye.